Hello, my name is Jess Lindley and this is Arthur's Heroes, the podcast from Arthur's Place, the magazine and social network for young adults with arthritis. You can find us at arthursplace.co.uk and follow Arthur's Place on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is supported by Novartis UK. We are grateful to Novartis for their support, but they have no influence over the content of the podcast. Scrolling through our phones, mindlessly looking at social media whenever we have a spare moment, comes as second nature to most young adults today. I'm as bad as the next person, give me a five minute break between meetings, and without even thinking about it, my thumbs have automatically gravitated towards Instagram. Although social media can have its drawbacks, it also provides some really special pockets of support for people with chronic illnesses, where you can find people just like you, offering kindness, understanding and encouragement. Arthur's Place is just one example of the brilliance of social media created specifically for the community of young adults with arthritis. There are some amazing content creators out there and one of them is my podcast guest today. Ellen has been sharing her life with arthritis on her social media channels for over 10 years and is the creator of Flare Up and Coming, a new Instagram page with an edge. Ellen is shining light on a rarely mentioned topic. When you think of arthritis, sex isn't the first thing that comes to mind. And that's why Ellen made the brave decision to put herself out there and create this page, using her own self-confidence to empower other people and make a space for people to talk about things that they maybe don't want to bring up with their consultant. Ellen, welcome to Arthur's Heroes. Have you always had such a natural confidence and where can our listeners get some of that for themselves? Um, I would say I have always been quite a confident person. I think um, like most people um, I've had my ups and ups and downs with my confidence um, for sure Um, but I would say one massive thing that has grown my confidence tremendously is starting to talk about um, my arthritis and my health online. I was sort of so desperately avoidant almost of my arthritis growing up. I was diagnosed with JIA when I was two years old, the little bit under two. So I've really been living with it my whole life. And during my teen years, I went into remission but still had uveitis so was no stranger to hospital appointments and I really just tended to completely ignore the fact that that was going on in my life. I I never lied about going to my appointments or anything but I really didn't talk about it very much and it was um, when I had my sort of big flare up, my arthritis sort of epiphany moment, I'd say that I started talking about it online and that just grew my confidence massively because it felt like I'd really accepted something that was a massive part of me that I'd been totally ignoring before. A lot of our listeners have had a recent arthritis diagnosis. You've obviously got quite a, a different story in terms of having it as a child and it then coming back later. So did your did your confidence grow when your arthritis went into remission did it kind of follow the same trend or did you find that actually just as you got older you you got more self-conscious like a lot of us do arthritis diagnosis or not yeah I'd say um as my arthritis went into remission um it probably 
I probably didn't really think about it at all in terms of it affecting my confidence. I think I probably just went through all the same confidence issues that people go through in their, their teenage years. And um, yeah, sort of like I mentioned, um, just sort of ignored the fact that I, I had arthritis, except for obviously um, having to do the hospital appointments, having the, um, the all the, the crappy stuff that comes with having a chronic illness. Um, in terms of my school life, I just sort of pushed it to one side and pretended it wasn't happening um, and definitely um, had a, a lull in confidence in, in my sort of teenage years as, as everybody does. And um, I would say that although I didn't have um, these sort of, I don't really remember getting diagnosed with arthritis, I have always had it my whole life. Um, the, the big flare up I had when I was, was pretty poorly almost felt like a diagnosis to me because I'd never been through a diagnosis myself. It was my mum that went through for all of that for me. Um, having this kind of big flare up and realizing that I kind of I was a, I was a little bit older, so I was in my early twenties. I was having to kind of deal with everything that I'd been pushing to the back of my mind all at once. It felt like um, maybe in the same way people people feel when they go through their kind of first diagnosis, although. Luckily, I was already in the system, so didn't have to do any of that kind of pushing to get seen and the difficult stuff people go through to get diagnosed. Um, I went through all of um, all of that, and that really kind of felt like my kind of turning point for really kind of dealing with the fact that I, I had a chronic illness and kind of getting used to it in a weird sort of way and um, getting to really understand what I was, what I had, like, my arthritis, what my condition meant, what my uveitis meant um, in a way I hadn't before. And I think this was weirdly when my confidence really grew. Interesting. Yeah, it was definitely that sort of taking back control um, of something I'd been ignoring that showed me, I guess, how much of a fighter I really was and that I could get through this and I could do it myself. It wasn't something that I needed to fall back onto anybody, my mum for, um, although there's nothing wrong with that. For me, I really needed to figure this out on my own. And where I'd always had my mum as that safety blanket for all my appointments, probably well yeah, into my early 20s, I'd say. Um, this was the time where I kind of really took control back for myself and learned a lot more about my condition. And in, I guess instead of relying on my mum, I built and found the chronic illness community online and seeing women like me talking about their health and in such a sort of beautiful and confident way really inspired me to do the same and I would say that kind of kick almost of having the big flare up and having to kind of fight against something that I didn't know that felt very new in a really strange way just really boosted my confidence because I realized I could I could do it basically if that makes sense. It does make sense and I think it's probably something that quite a lot of our listeners will identify with having almost that epiphany moment of actually um this is something I've got to deal with now but but that's going to be fine um we're going to come on obviously to talk about social media and how you've used that as kind of a support network but also um what you've kind of turned that into but I want to rewind a bit first so I know from conversations that we've had already that you went to fashion school which 
A is a really cool thing in itself that me as a person who did a languages degree doesn't know anything about. Um, so I'm already like, wow. And then on top of that, fashion is all about appearance and how people look. So as somebody with with arthritis, with psoriatic arthritis, which obviously in itself has an an impact on how people look, what was what was he? Can you talk us a bit through the decision to do that, to put yourself into that space? Yes. So I have always been. Um, I guess quite artistic. I've always leaned to the arts over the more academic subjects, and that's something I've um, just something I've always been more into um, throughout my whole life. Really, I've always loved art. I've always loved clothes, and um, when it yeah, when it came to kind of picking a degree, um, I was very sure I wanted to go to university at the time. Really wasn't sure. I like umdenard over a lot of things, and um, yeah, ended up. Uh, moving into the the fashion the fashion side of um, things and I worked in the the fashion industry up until um, about two years ago as well so fashion's always been a really really big part of my life obviously the fashion industry is very very focused on looks and appearance but also that clothes can give you this real like sense of identity Um, and I think for me, that's what clothes of clothes have always been. They've been a way to sort of represent my personality. And I think um, no matter whether you're into fashion or you're not into fashion, clothes are always a choice you make. Um, whether yeah, whether you think you're into fashion or not, you're always deciding what to put on every morning to represent your identity and represent who you are. And yeah, gone are the lovely days of school uniform when you don't have to think about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you're well, yeah, if you're not wearing school uniform anymore, you have to um, you have to put everyone has to put an outfit together, and whether we like it or not, it always says something about you. And I think that's something that I've always found so interesting about fashion in general and clothes in general. And I, to be honest, um, was very, very image conscious during my um, university years and kind of moving into my first sort of jobs as well. I um, always wore a full face of makeup. My hair was always done. My outfits were always perfect. And that really changed for me when I got alopecia areata and that was kind of a big turning point for me in terms of appearance but before that I was quite image conscious anyway and I really kind of didn't let my arthritis and my uveitis really have an effect on that at the at the time that I was at university anyway and um, that's kind of come a little bit later in life and um, changed my view on my image completely to be honest. Do you think in part that your alopecia diagnosis knocked your confidence or was it just another thing that you looked at as an opportunity to promote a kind of broader image of what what looking good is a hundred percent my alopecia areata diagnosis knocked my confidence at the beginning um i yeah i was very image conscious before that and whereas my arthritis obviously it's it's for for me it's invisible so it is well as invisible as it can be when I'm not swollen or anything mostly invisible um so I although I I didn't hide it I did talk about it my alopecia was something I, I couldn't hide at all so at the beginning when I first started to get my patches I changed how I wore my hair to hide them and 
um, when I had it at my worst, it just got to a point um, where I couldn't, I couldn't hide it at all. And I've got a big patch now at the front of my head that I can't hide at all, but it affects me in such a different way than it did when I first got it. I um, It really, really knocked me when I first got alopecia areata. And I feel so sort of, um, I, I always feel ridiculous saying that because in no way did it affect me kind of in the same way my arthritis, my uveitis did. It wouldn't have me uh, in bed, unable to get up. It wouldn't have me like uncomfortable. It doesn't stop me from doing anything. But the mental impact it had on me when I was someone who was very image conscious um, was really, really, really hard. And it, yeah, it definitely knocked my confidence a lot. Um, I was, I remember I was single at the time and I genuinely thought nobody would ever find me attractive again. It was, yeah, like I, I, I did take it really badly. Um, I'd say for the first sort of few months of having it. Um, and then again, like when I had um, my, my big arthritis, uveitis flare up, I just realized that this was something I was gonna, it was going to be part of my life, I was going to have to live with and I had to be okay with the fact that it could get worse as well. And some of my patches have gone, some have come back, um, some have changed place and I've just, I think the kind of turning point for me was, like I do of everything, I realised I needed to talk about it um, and I needed to share it with the world and get other people's experiences um, so that I didn't feel like I was on my own in it and the minute I made I made a YouTube video about um about it and it really took off and then I started documenting my journey with it and because I'd shown it in such a public forum I think that video's got about 50,000 views now and I knew how many people had seen my patches it made me think it doesn't matter if somebody in the street just you know my hair blows in the wind and someone sees a patch and then that my confidence with it just really grew from there because A, you realise nobody cares, <laughs> B, a lot of the time nobody's looking and you're, it really just, for me, made me realise that I was so much more than the way I look and the way you look is the least interesting thing about you and that was that's something I truly, truly believe now. Obviously, I still like to get dressed up and get cute, but it's definitely like not the not my be all and end all like it maybe was when I was at fashion school. I think that's such an important realization to come to that, and I think it's it's somewhere that that everybody kind of gets to at a point where they're sort of realizing that they're not de defined by how that they look, and that's kind of not the be all and end all, but. I imagine if you have that sort of a setback, that just adds an extra layer of difficulty. So when you have these times of insecurity or, or self-doubt, what's your support? I mean, you've talked about talking, but is there anybody in particular or any particular activity that that helps you to kind of reassess the situation? I would say I talk to um, my mum, my friends. Uh, they're like my I'd say my big support network for every time I've um, had something, something or had had a knockback in my confidence. I am a big believer in talking about it with the people that are closest to you. And I think my mum and my friends, they're always, they're not just gonna tell you like, 
the good stuff as well they're going to be like really supportive but like give you a, a rounded view and I think I've got an amazing support network in that I'm really 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 lucky um to have that um and I also am a, I I'm a massive oversharer on my Instagram story as well um if um yeah if you check out my Instagram story I'm always talking about how I'm feeling as well and I kind of like I feel like if I put it out there to the world um I'm not kind of just looking for validation I just I want it's some there's something for me about just saying something out loud putting it out there either makes it dulls it for me or even if it doesn't at least if somebody else sees that and they're feeling the same it's nice to know you're making somebody feel like they're not alone and I think that's a big part of kind of why I put as much as I do out there because for me it's such a positive thing to make even if I'm making one person feel like they they're not on their own in this that sort of makes me feel so much more positive and comforted that then it kind of brings me back up again and I yeah that's a, a big way that I deal with it. So that's something I wanted to ask you about obviously you are kind of a big figure on social media in terms of sharing how you're feeling and what you're going through but you said before I think the word that you used was avoidant about your arthritis growing up so what was the catalyst in you deciding to talk publicly about your condition and share that with the rest of the world? I actually think that um, it was my uveitis that sparked me to share anything about my health with the world because I just arthritis is obviously talked about um, not as much as it could be but it it is widely spoken about um, I don't know if I say that from someone who's heavily involved in the community but I do think that there is there is a platform out there that people do speak about having arthritis whereas my uveitis when I had um, a, the big flare-up of that um, I couldn't find anything online um like i typed uveitis into youtube um and i all i could find was videos that seemed like they were for like university students who were maybe um or or like uh train trainee doctors i guess like who were like learning about what uveitis was um and i obviously that's not what i was looking for it probably would have helped me to know a little bit more about what or, or definitely would have helped me to know a little bit more about what it was but that's not what I was looking for I was looking for somebody to tell me about their version of events when they've had uveitis yeah almost like the personal as aspect of it yeah I already had my youtube channel at this point and I was talking about fashion and beauty and I just hit this wall where I was like I love obviously fashion and beauty so we'll talk about both of those now um but I've got this platform where I can be the person to put this voice out there and then I made that video and the response was just like overwhelming it was amazing and I was contacted by a few uveitis charities and asked to like speak with them and um speak at their events or help them with their social media and from that I just realised that this was for me, not, not, it was for me something I needed to keep talking about and it was for other people as well. I realised that obviously my voice resonated with people and it was benefiting me and if it could benefit others too then it was the right thing to do and I think from that moment I've just always 
shared everything really because it was such a positive experience for me that I never want I don't ever want to let that go now I think I'm as long as there is Instagram and I have my platform I'm sure I will overshare on it I think that's such an interesting dichotomy as well and it's one that obviously something like Arthur's Place probably doesn't really share in that there's not a specific person behind Arthur's Place sharing their experience it's kind of a whole it's a whole world of people sharing their experiences I guess but for you it's almost it's almost your way to give back to the world at the same time as as raising awareness and telling other people that they're not alone so with that in mind flare up and coming your instagram page which by the way fantastic title thank you <laughs> um tell us why you decided to set up this page on this specific topic well tell the listeners what the specific topic is first yeah um so i set up flare up and coming um a little over a month ago now and um if you didn't get it from the title it's um a an instagram account where i talk about um sex and intimacy whilst living with a chronic illness and just navigating that world um yeah when living with a chronic illness or a disability i'm trying to kind of keep the page as broad as possible it's very much in its baby stages but i'm so so proud of um what I've done with it so far what the whole whole community and everyone helping me has done with it so far have you found in the month that since you've set it up that people are ready to open up because I I know there's a lot of appetite to talk about things like pain management and how to manage hospital appointments and that sort of really practical thing when you've got a chronic illness but are people ready to talk about sex and relationships in a space as public as social media is? I think from what I've learned in the past month or so it's really really varied. Some people are will message me and happily share their stories with me in a lot of detail some of them actually um i've got had a lot of detail from some people which is brilliant because obviously i wouldn't have created this space if i wasn't open to talking about it in as much detail as possible but um it's so varied so it's those people and then on the other hand you have people who are willing to share their stories but would like to remain anonymous um and you have definitely i've noticed as well people that just um sort of uh viewing the account they're not sort of interacting in the comments or in the dms but i can see them watching the stories every time they go up or um uh, interacting with the polls so i'd say like sex it's very personal and everybody's got their limit of what they feel comfortable with sharing and that's seems to be my understanding of it i'd love to try and encourage more and more people to openly share their experiences but i think also it is a topic that's really personal and i'm really obviously very accepting of how much people want to share and how much people want to be involved um, i just want to create a space that really just offers great advice and stories and people can engage with it in whatever they way they want to so the people who are talking what are they talking about? What are the hot topics at the moment? The hot, the hot topics at the moment, um, to be honest, again, it's really varied. Um, I'd say, so um, this week we are putting together a post on fatigue because that's been something that's um, 
come up a lot in the DMs and in the polls we're doing. Um, and it's also people wanting to talk about their specific condition and how that's affected their sex life. Um, so I'm talking to a, um, a couple of girls with um, endometriosis at the moment and putting together um, posts specifically around that. Um, the post that's going up tomorrow is about um, fibromyalgia and sex. People want to talk about how their specific condition has affected their sex life, which is really interesting as well. It's very um, woman focused at the moment and I really don't want it to be that. I want it to be a really inclusive space. Um, unfortunately, my experience is I'm a woman and I'm straight and that's why I need as many voices as, as I can get because I want it to be a really inclusive space for everybody. And I think that's a, a big thing with, with Flare Up and Coming in that um, I'm not an expert on this topic. I'm just a girl with chronic illnesses who likes talking about sex and felt I had enough of a voice to create this space, but I need as much help as I can get to make it the best it can be, really. And so I am open to um to all the hot topics that come in and everything so far that someone's brought to me, I've made a post on. So working on a whole bunch of posts at the moment in collaboration with the people that have brought them to me or just doing my own research. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far so it's very much a collaborative effort between you and and your followers and people who find the page oh definitely yeah I um I could not make this page on my own it's it's a real collaborative effort and um, whether people want to be tagged or not basically every post has somebody else behind it that's not just me um, whether it's a brand as well um, what's been amazing is um, so many brands have been so willing to work with the page which is amazing because it's um, obviously so young um, but people obviously know that it is a topic that isn't talked about enough and are really um, excited to get involved and help which is great so yeah lots it's a definitely a collaborative effort this page I just happen to be the person that set it up what do you think is so important about giving people with chronic illnesses space to voice and talk about these kinds of topics why is it so crucial that in particular people with chronic illnesses have these spaces I kind of hate to say it but it's like giving you that big bit of like normality back because I think a lot of space is like created for us and that's one of the things I love so much about Arthur's Place is that it doesn't do this but they do feel very sort of clinical and medical and sometimes we do just want to talk about normal things like maybe dressing was hard that day and like you just want to feel like like back to like some level of like normality and just like know how to like like get your clothes on a bit better or like then like <laughs> adding layers on top of that is like how to have sex it's something that all your friends are probably talking about and if your sex life is being affected by, by your chronic illness and you just don't know what to do to overcome that like I just would would never want anybody to feel like that I think it's going back to that feeling like you're not alone in it where all your friends are probably if they're if you're in a friendship group that talk about sex they're probably not coming from it at the same in the same way you are whereas if you've got something that is affecting your sex life in whatever way um, it could be whether it's 
fatigue, whether it's you can't do a position you want to do, whether it's you think you can't be involved in a kink you want to do or something that everybody else seems to be doing. Um, it's just giving you that space that you've got a group of friends that can you can talk about it with and they might get it a bit better than the people that you talk to every day about sex maybe. And I think it's also giving that confidence to talk about your sex life even though it may be different from somebody else's and even if that's not talking about it with your friends i think a lot of people from from what i'm learning from having the account it's also needing to talk about it with your partner and maybe not knowing the right way to do that or the right things to say or not knowing the right things to say because you don't know how to make it better and I think it's just giving people the confidence that there's other people out there talking about it um, and giving you some confidence that you can do that as well because you've got the right knowledge and the know-how to do it basically and I think that's super important in so many areas of living with a chronic illness and I don't think our sex life should be excluded from that just because it's a kind of uncomfortable taboo topic. <laughs> I think that's uh, so right that it's and it's something that I think medical professionals often maybe don't have the time to consider in their kind of five minute appointments that they get allocated is the more sort of holistic view of a person and that actually they have a life outside of is your medication working how much pain are you in next question so how do you see the role of spaces like your Instagram, like other Instagram pages or social media sites that support people with chronic illnesses in a whole variety of spheres? How do they fill gaps that medical professionals can't address? Because this is not the conversation that I would want to have with my consultant. Yeah, and when I was setting up Fair Up and Coming, I um put a few polls out onto my um my personal Instagram and um found that I think it was it was it was a hundred percent of people who voted in the poll felt they couldn't talk to their consultant about their sex life and I know I don't feel like I could in the slightest. Absolutely not. No, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no no way. I think my best way to put it is that we all live with arthritis or a similar condition every day of our lives. We're the experts. Our consultants obviously know what they know from their medical backgrounds and obviously the majority of them are amazing, um, but they don't live and breathe it in the same way we do. And I think there is so much value in the voices of people who live with a condition because they deal with it every day they've invented hacks to get around things they've trialed and tested products and drugs and everything to try and make themselves feel better they know life with arthritis through and through and there's nothing more valuable than our voices and the communities that can be created around the voices of people living with these conditions it's really valuable absolutely so given that you run the page who do you talk to about sex i would say i talk to my friends a lot um they probably are sick of listening to me talk about sex and i think especially now i've got i, mean, I talked about it quite a lot anyway but um especially now i've got this page because i 
I'm addicted to this page. I am so, so passionate about, um, about it. So I'm always researching. I'm always looking at new, new toys, new ways to do things. Um, and I talk to them about it a lot. I'll bring them ideas and my partner as well. He's incredible. He like listens to everything I've got to say. Um, like, and I guess, he helps me with a little bit of a male perspective on it as well. He doesn't live with a chronic illness, but he lives with um, a a partner who's got a chronic illness, which, um, so he, he doesn't go through it in the same way I do, but he, he like has to go through it with me as well, of course. Um, so it is really great to get his perspective and he's crazy and open like me as well, which is brilliant and really good person to um, voice everything to, which I feel very, very blessed to have. <laughs> I guess he's involved with you the same way that anybody's involved with their partner they need to be on board they need to understand your limitations not yours specifically but you know the limitations of the other person so I suppose it is a shared experience in in that way I did a whole um piece on the communication side of sex and intimacy because it is so important and obviously to have that communication you need to have somebody to communicate it to so I did a post that was um, aimed at people's partners um, and a po post that was aimed at how to communicate to your partner because it is so important because of course it is and yeah it is 100% a shared experience and um, communication can sometimes be as important and as sexy as actual sex so it's very very important in my eyes which brings me neatly on to my next question which is in your experience when is the right time to talk to your boyfriend girlfriend partner about arthritis i i don't think there is a right time in in all honesty i think you need to do it when it feels comfortable and right for you um so from my personal perspective I would always mention it really early on so um this is a relatively new relationship I'm in I've been in it for about six months and before that I was um on the dating apps um and I I obviously talk about my arthritis so so much online it's definitely not something I I shy away from in the slightest and I am the same in real life as well so for me it was always something I would mention very early on but I don't think it's information you have to give somebody or you owe anybody to share so I think it's just at the time that's that you feel comfortable and feels right for you and I think when you're moving into sort of the next stage and starting to sleep with somebody if it is something that affects your sex life or your life in general if maybe you can't go out on a date because you're not feeling very well I don't necessarily think you owe it to tell them tell somebody then but I'd say if it's getting a bit more serious moving into having sex with somebody I think it's probably good to tell them because you want to feel as comfortable as possible in that situation and if they're going to react badly to it then that's a really bad sign and probably a time to get away from that person before anything gets too serious as well but I still don't think you you don't owe somebody anything but I think it's something that before you start sleeping with someone is good to disclose if it is something that affects your sex life just so you can feel as comfortable and as supported as possible and have the most fun because of that. Yeah and I suppose there's something as well about in a moment of vulnerability already you don't want to add any extra pressure to that 
by saying, oh, by the way, my knee might dislocate, but don't worry about it. So what has surprised you about running this page? What's it taught you? What's what's shocked you in the past month about it? I think I very naively went into it thinking everybody would be as open as I am when talking about sex and um, would want to sort of be pub- publicly share as much as I would. And um, so I think I, I say that surprised me that people didn't want to, but I don't know, it maybe didn't surprise me. It more kind of made me think, is it because people don't want to talk openly about sex or is it because they don't want to talk about sex in in relation to their chronic illness and I haven't got to the bottom whether it's which if it's just people don't want to talk about sex which is fine or if it's because they have a chronic illness they that they don't want to talk about it um but there's yeah there's something in there that definitely surprised me um but maybe a bit naively I don't know I think it's an interesting question and if you're a very open person then I guess you know you might have suspected that not everybody would be similarly open but as you say getting to the bottom of why that is is interesting because I think there's probably people out there who are only willing to talk about sex in the situ in kind of the context of having a chronic illness and are probably not interested in having those conversations more broadly but do you think there's something in it as well about potentially people with arthritis particularly something like psoriatic arthritis that does have potentially more visible symptoms than other types because after all it is it is an invisible illness of, of just not feeling as attractive as their able-bodied counterparts and not wanting to put themselves in this that space because of that yeah I think that's probably a big part of it and I think again something I probably probably naively pushed to the back of my mind as well I just want to dismantle that narrative and if I can help to push um, as many creators as possible who um, are working towards that as well, um, then I think that's only going to do positive things. But I, yeah, I definitely think that's a, that's probably a big part of it. And I definitely, I've been there. So um, I, I do understand that as well. And I think, again, I, um, I kind of go back to to my my alopecia areata as well and again yeah psoriatic arthritis as well just I've there's definitely been times where I've not felt sexy because of how I look and luckily I'm I've really kind of moved past that um but I I know that there are a lot of people who are still kind of where I was um five five six years ago basically and I um I am also putting some posts together around this and confidence and how to improve your confidence in the bedroom. So um, yeah, I'm excited to get those out as well. Do you think there's a fear in there? Because especially early on in a relationship, you can hide arthritis if you if you want to. I mean, you've talked about it as a teenager. We all know it's possible in a workplace or in a situation where maybe it's just not worth having that conversation you can look normal in inverted commas but then have unexpected physical or energy constraints further down the line and navigating that in an intimate situation I imagine could be a very scary concept for a lot of people yeah I I definitely agree with that I think um that uh, yeah there have been times where I've um 
I've I've hidden it and I, I like I said I, I am pretty open about it um, and I was the whole time I was was dating really um, but I know that that's not not how everybody and I, I've learned that a lot since creating flare up and coming that that is not how everybody reacts for me what grew my confidence was that kind of education piece and like educating myself on how to communicate and the ways my condition would affect um, my life and I think navigating that further down the line if you don't want to tell someone straight away maybe just figuring out the ways that your arthritis is going to affect this relationship and then thinking about how best to communicate it to that person so without just kind of blurting out that you've got you've got arthritis and then not really giving them any more context and I think it is it's really hard because obviously you most of the time do to an extent understand your condition you know how it affects you but there is not that many times when you really have to explain it to somebody um and there's always that fear of are they going to get it or are they just going to be like oh yeah my grand's got arthritis as well I totally understand what you're going through or uh, I've had a bad wrist once yeah I know what you mean <laughs> um but there's as long as you're confident on how you're communicating it to them and confident that you understand how it affects your life then I think that could um, be a really good starting point for when you do start to tell somebody um, just I guess it all rolls back to just having the confidence to to do it and finding that confidence and I think a lot of that confidence for me anyway came from community and education and I think that's um, a really great thing about the social media and sorry the chronic illness community on social media is that they do provide that for lots of people the last thing that I, I want to talk about today is about body confidence and body positivity and the role that that plays in coping with arthritis in all areas of life and also in maintaining a social media presence because social media and particularly Instagram which is so photo focused is all about pictures and you know we all know the stories of airbrushing and of people not actually looking how they appear on Instagram and influencers and all of that but when you've got something like arthritis which doesn't exactly promote you necessarily feeling that great about how you look how do you square that circle personally so personally I I think it always goes back to that like if I if I put it out there myself um and I know thousands of people have seen it then that really it it boosts my confidence because I've kind of taken my insecurity and I've put it out there and I've faced it head on and that has been kind of a big catalyst for growing my confidence so um I actually kind of thinking about it um when I went on to um steroids for the first well it wasn't for the first time we upped, upped my dose anyway um <laughs> when I went into steroids that obviously it changed my appearance quite a lot um I put on quite a bit of weight my face rounded off um and that was a, a massive insecurity for me at the time and I kind of the same thing with my alopecia I just kind of kind of hand 
that whole flare up time in general, actually, I just had to grab control of it in, in some way. And for me, that was kind of finding I needed to find confidence in my body. And a big part of that for me was buying beautiful underwear and taking beautiful pictures of myself in it. And then because I loved them personally and privately, um, that boosted my confidence. And then I ended up putting them out online. Um, I think I posted my first sort of underwear picture not even really that long ago, maybe a few years ago or so. Um, and again, it just got such a positive reaction from people who had similar body types or um, uh, felt like they were felt uncomfortable showing their body and they were like, if, if you can do it, I can do it sort of thing. Um, and it was again, just creating that community. And I think for me getting involved in sort of the, the body positivity world um, was very natural after how much I talked about my health as well, because my negative view of my body had sort of come from a circumstance that was that my health my health had affected it basically was affecting the way I looked and it was just again yeah just taking back that control and I think once you're you've done it you've taken back control of um of how you're feeling um then it, your confidence can only grow from there really and I think um I'm pr pretty body confident now I would say and it's from yeah just from kind of trying to take back control and I think even if you you don't want to post it online, which I definitely totally understand because that's 100% not for everybody. I think there's something in just getting getting a bit like dressed up, taking some beautiful pictures of yourself and just seeing your body as art and also seeing it as all the amazing things it does for you, even when it's, even when it's pissing you off, <laughs> it's still keeping you it is it's it's keeping you going and um just kind of switching your your outlook on your body a little bit as well can be really really positive it's almost like the more good you put in the more good you get out i suppose why do you think it's so important that social media in particular as a kind of forum for discussion and for sharing shows the truth of disability and beauty and aesthetics and body confidence and all of those things that come together in that space in all areas from you know mobility aids right the way through to sex intimacy all of those things and doesn't shy away from treating those perhaps more difficult subjects social media platforms need to be a big space for it purely because they have so much reach and there's there's such a negative view on so many areas of chronic illness and disability. And it's so rare that we get to take that back and shine a bit of a like positive light on it. And whether that positive light is something negative that happened, but we're creating community around it, there's always glimmers of hope. And I think social media really creates a space that even a negative thing can become a an almost glimmer of hope because it, it can be easy to kind of just talk about all the positive things that are happening but I think there's so much importance in talking about the less talked about kind of more taboo topics as well like using AIDS just sex mental health because realistically I can't think of another space that really 
talks about them in the same way as well. Like you can talk to your consultant to an extent about some of these things, but there's nowhere else where there's this mass amount of voices all coming together. And I think it's just a way that we can actually make change. Like if people keep talking about the taboo topics, they will hopefully one day stop being a taboo thing to talk about. And chronic illness and disability will just fall in line with mainstream conversation when it comes to sex, when it comes to existing in the world. And that's what I hope for. And I'm hopeful that social media will be a catalyst in creating that change and it needs to be less clinical as well doesn't it yes. because at the moment yeah. even just in a really practical sense in a in say a workplace environment if you if you say oh I've got arthritis then the the instant answer to that is oh well here you go have a chair yeah oh 100% yeah and it's either we can set up your make your setup better or we can um give you an ergonomic keyboard give yeah exactly a, a little uh, a wrist rest for your mouse <laughs> or we can like make time for your hospital appointments but i feel like no one ever really considers the kind of mental impact that it has on on your life and the more all of us talk about it the more mainstream that will become and hopefully one day someone will go into their workplace, tell them about their arthritis and it will be considered a much more rounded conversation than like you said, here, have a chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we we discussed a bit earlier about openly sharing experiences and how that's been kind of a key role in helping you to build confidence and also to kind of manage your experiences as you've gone along. But in terms of the kind of content that you create so really body positive content content about as you've said the more taboo and inverted commas subjects like sex do you think people living with chronic illnesses can actually lead the way in showing able-bodied people how to talk about these things and how to create this content in a way that is really inclusive honestly something I've never really thought about and Actually talking to you about it now, I think there is probably so much value in collaborating with pages and influencers that are that are able-bodied and but still talking about something similar to make sure that they're creating an inclusive space because flare up and coming wouldn't need to exist if these spaces felt more inclusive. And I know you can go onto certain brands that sell like sex toys and stuff, and maybe you can find a section buried deep in their pages about the right toys or things to do if you're, you've got a disability or a chronic illness, but it's just not very accessible. And I think that chronic illness influencers talking about these subjects is definitely going to create a more inclusive environment, especially if we put ourselves in the faces of spaces that we should already be in almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So almost like providing your own access to those spaces. But at the same time, I'm wondering, particularly in terms of body positivity and redefining the very kind of traditional idea of, of beauty that exists certainly in, in Western media a lot of the time, are people with chronic illnesses, pages like your page, better positioned to tackle some of those narratives just because they they don't show the normal in inverted commas 
at all. I want to say yes. I feel like I'm being biased because obviously that is my page. <laughs> yeah, but I um I do think you are completely right. I think they are better positioned to talk about these topics because it's a different experience living with a chronic illness and having to navigate that in terms of body confidence on top of the body confidence that every single person has to deal with it's definitely come with an extra element of challenge almost and I think that definitely puts people with chronic illnesses like arthritis in a maybe more rounded position and like can show people a different side to what it means to be body confident and body positive. Yeah and I think that's the crucial thing is moving away from the very singular image of beautiful or attractive or sexy even towards something a a bit broader. There's a lot of body positive influencers that have maybe got a bit of a role and that's their kind of crux but there's this extra layer if you're living with a disability or a, a chronic illness where you have had to overcome something that's made you feel like that role doesn't even matter anymore because your body is doing its own thing most of the time and it gives you this yeah like rounded view of of what body positivity means. So what would your advice be to any listeners who feel insecure about their bodies or feel like because of their arthritis they can't be attractive, they can't ever sort of match up to that standard? I think my advice would be to talk about it with as many people that you feel comfortable with talking about it with and not just for the validation that they'll tell you you're beautiful because they 100% will. I think when you start to talk about your insecurities, it can start to shrink them. And I also think it's great to find spaces where you feel that body relates to you and look at that body or that person and question how you feel about them. How do you see them? And go to a space like a social media account where you feel you're represented and just yeah, think about how you view them. And you'd probably see them as beautiful, but more you'd see them as so much more than just how they look. Because all people are beautiful, but it's not because of how they look most of the time. Sometimes you find someone beautiful because of how they look, but that's not what makes you want to be their friend or be around them all the time. There's just so, so much more to you than how you look. And I think especially living with a chronic illness, you're so, so strong. And there's something about living with a chronic illness that has already put you as like a strong person as like a fighter and you are amazing because of that and I just think you you should never discredit how brilliant you are because of how you feel on the the outside because there's so much strength that comes with living every day with arthritis and that makes you so beautiful that you are able to kind of like fight that every day and you need to give yourself some credit I always used to say like my chronic illness is not my personality like oh don't let it define me and I've totally changed my tune on that recently. I let it define me and I let it be a personality trait of mine because it has given me so much strength and strength is so beautiful and I think that sometimes 
and like when I was a teenager I really hid the fact I had a chronic illness and I would never want to do that again because um, I do think it makes you a really strong beautiful person no matter what you think you look like on the outside because that definitely 100% shines through. On that very uplifting note final question what are your plans for Flare Up and Coming and where do you hope it's going to go in the future? I think I really just want it to become a space that reaches as many people who need it as possible. And I want to collaborate with as many people as I can. And my real big dream for it, that it does, the the voice of it ends up somewhere mainstream. So whether that's part of a blog post or can end up as a, as a collection in um, a shop that sells sex toys or something, I don't know. I've got these massive dreams for it, but I want it to be in a mainstream space. I want to take flare up and coming and put it somewhere that it deserves to be. So in a space where people are already talking about sex, but are maybe not talking about it very inclusively. And I really just want to open up everybody's minds to the fact that sex does not look the same for everybody. And I think Bear Up and Coming is gonna be a really great platform to do that. So I think in my, my head, I'd like it to be followed by not just people with chronic illnesses, but followed by a lot of people because even if you don't live with a chronic illness or a disability you can have issues in your sex life as well and it's just something we don't talk about enough in general as a society and I really want to kind of get it out to a mainstream space and try and make those a lot more inclusive I'd say um but yeah just really reach as many people as possible thank you so much Ellen for coming on the podcast um, I'm sure that it's going to be such a fascinating episode for all of our listeners. It's certainly not like anything else we've we've ever done before, so I'm really excited to hear it. So if people want to find your page, um, just let them know where they need to go. Yep, so um, Flare Up and Coming is the, the new account all about sex and intimacy whilst living with a chronic illness or disability. And then my personal account is Ellen's in Wonderland if you want to follow me over there for more kind of the body confidence stuff as well thank you very much ellen it's been great having you as a podcast guest and good luck for the future with your instagram page thank you for listening to arthur's heroes For more podcasts, information and access to loads of great content for young adults with arthritis, please visit arthursplace.co.uk. You can also find other young adults to chat to in the Arthur's Place social Facebook group. Follow Arthur's Place on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and find out more about Codeword Pineapple, the pin badge for people with an invisible disability at codewordpineapple.org.uk. Thank you to Novartis UK for their support in the production of this podcast.